Welcome to The Quest. My name is Alan Mulhan. Many religions, schools of metaphysics and some cults feel a deep need to express what we would now call the mythology, characterised by the following ingredients. Firstly, a description of a state prior to the creation of the world. Secondly, a creation myth, how the world began. Thirdly, how life came into being. Fourthly, an account of human nature and its condition. Fifthly, an ethical or moral system, which is a guidance for proper living. Sixthly, the purpose of existence is expressed. There is often a goal for believers, for example, that they may become one with the Creator, or go to heaven, or reach enlightenment, or salvation, or some kind of return to the ultimate The feeling of a great loss and a return is an archetype that underlies this. In Egyptian mythology, this even occurs on a nightly basis. The creator sun god Ra goes on his night journey on his bark to do battle with Apep, the serpent of chaos. In the last two episodes, number 64 and 65, I presented, metaphysically, the ideas of origins and becoming. This mythological narrative in the Abrahamic traditions, that is, those of Judaism, Islam and Christianity, are in the opening chapter of the Bible, appropriately called Genesis, which says that a divine force created everything in this world and moreover found it to be good. Finally, it created mankind in the shape of the primal parents, Adam and Eve, who lived in the beautiful Garden of Eden in a state of innocence. Like all religions, the Abrahamic needed an explanation for mankind, who clearly is not in a state of innocence, nor is one with nature, who possesses an extraordinary consciousness and intelligence compared to the rest of the animal kingdom and yet is deeply conflict-ridden. Their explanation was the introduction of sin, or evil, into the world through a particular agency, the serpent, who tempts Eve, who then persuades Adam to take the apple of the tree of good and evil. For this act of disobedience, they are banished from the garden into the fallen state, a world of labour and death. In this mini-series on the spiritual crisis of our times, there will be a forthcoming episode that gives an interpretation of this powerful myth which took hold of the Judaic, Islamic and Christian worlds. Modern science also has its own narrative, at times resembling the structure of mythology just outlined, a big bang that resembles a creation or genesis moment, an account of how the cosmos and our world evolved, how life came into being, how mankind emerged, the guidance for our species, for example, knowledge and science, the purpose of our species, perhaps to overcome our mortality and realise an infinite intelligence, and so on. Such an account does have a mythological, almost metaphysical aura to it. In the last episode, I outlined a philosophy or a metaphysics on becoming, which I summarise as follows. The material world is manifested and arises from a deeper source than is apparent to our immediate reason, consciousness or senses. Intelligence lies in the cosmos, in nature and in all life forms. There have been countless universes, 
time is cyclical, with intelligence and evolution in a perpetual cycle of creative destruction, which has evolved complexity and then dissolves it. Consciousness, evolved, concentrated intelligence in creatures, promotes their survival and is a manifestation of the inherent intelligence within nature. Self-awareness is the further development of consciousness and is the capacity of intelligence to examine itself. Higher consciousness is transcendent awareness and symbolic communication over and above survival and ego needs. The self, big S, is an inner directing function of order, growth and individuation in the human psyche, an expression of the integrative wholeness that underlies our bodies and nature, a central ordering principle within the human psyche, and is a development of the natural process in the cosmos, and is evident in all life forms. Human consciousness is the living spirit of the universe. In this episode and the next, I wish to present a view of human nature, the next stage of our metaphysics. The intelligence of our hominid ancestors developed over millions of years. The eventual emergence of human consciousness has been its spectacular and problematic result. Apart from it being impossible to be objective about itself, consciousness is both material and immaterial, matter and spirit, It will never, in my opinion, yield its inmost secrets to purely materialist analysis. The immediate precursors of human consciousness lie in our animal and hominid past, which deeply influence our human psychology, while its full development demonstrates extraordinary features of self-awareness, aesthetics, search for meaning, and even a transcendental hunger. The development of human consciousness is the alchemy of evolution. Essential human nature is the origin from which we start and is the subject of this episode. Every major philosophy and religion has its theory of human nature. Clearly there is no definitive account of this elusive subject, but a certain view of human nature naturally underpins any work such as this. It will be helpful to explain this now. Human nature is the uneasy amalgamation of five interconnected and overlapping parts of our development. Animal inheritance, emotional structure, conscious ego intelligence, the unconscious and higher consciousness. Although these evolve into one another across millions of years, This is not a harmonious combination, but a rough unity of conflicting parts. Yet there is also a transformational intelligence within the psyche of mankind, that is within our nature, which is capable of creating harmony within itself, diminishing repression and domination by the malevolent side of its nature. Jung termed this the archetype of the self. Firstly, animal inheritance. To limit mankind's instinctual foundation to aggressive and sexual impulses, the id, is to underestimate our vast inheritance. Mankind originated from the great apes, 
which provide a reservoir of evolved genetic intelligence. At least 96% of our genes, foundational not only to our body, but to our consciousness. The great apes can use and shape many types of tools. They have a capacity for empathy. They can mourn their debt and display grief. They know that their fellows possess minds. They have intense bonds between mother and child. They can be tender, have bonding rituals, and can care for each other. Chimps can share and divide food in an equal manner. They have hierarchies, leaders, and complex social dynamics. Certain chimps have been taught to count and have a keyboard vocabulary of a few hundred words. They can gamble and calculate elementary risk. They even have a sense of self. And, oh yes, a sense of humour. The list can go on, since their high level of animal intelligence is impossible to deny. Not only our instinctual inheritance, but also the foundations of our emotional intelligence and even key foundation blocks of our rational intellect, basic number and word recognition, we owe to our primate inheritance. There are darker sides to our nature which are also developments from animal inheritance. The most obvious is our intense selfishness and our focus on our personal consumption. Not just of food, but of all material goods. Human beings, like great apes, can be very concerned with their status and territory. They can threaten, demand submission, take the high ground, rejoice in domination and its rewards. They can engage in rape, as well as vicious and unprovoked attack. Aggressive, predatory, sexual and killing instincts, when incorporated into the human personality, pass through the lens of ego consciousness and can become disturbed and magnified. Where an animal defends territory, humans defend countries or their identity. Where one group of apes engages in unprovoked attack on another, humans subdue and enslave other nations. In addition, the elaboration and distortion of certain animal instincts and behaviour within a disturbed or traumatised human psyche is one source of what has been called vice, evil or sin. Unconscious hatred and human malevolence are very strong, expressed to other animals, to the earth and even to our own species. Inter and intra-species violence that is, violence between species and violence within a species, occurs in many animals, but human beings are psychopathically apt at destroying their own kind. Almost everything concerning human beings has somehow evolved from nature. Secondly, emotional structure. As life evolves from the simple to the complex, instincts evolve into emotion. Thus mammals have a far more variegated emotional structure than reptiles. And as they evolve into the higher reaches of the primates, emotional structure, still rooted in instincts, achieves a great range and intensity. It has been widely believed up to very recently that animals do not have feelings, or even that they do not physically suffer like human beings. 
This is very convenient, since a great number of them are butchered for our food or have been intensely worked by humans. As the primate brain expanded, eventually reaching the size and complexity of the late hominids, then a far greater and more differentiated emotional structure developed. Thirdly, ego consciousness is the combination of rational intelligence plus a distinct personality, characterising developed Homo sapiens who emerged in East Africa more than 200,000 years ago. Rationality, however, does not begin with modern humans. Our forebears, such as Homo habilis and Erectus, who existed from around 2 million years ago, developed components of rational intelligence for which there is archaeological evidence, tools, weaponry, construction, use of fire, and so on. There were other species, such as Homo neanderthalis, who pre-existed and coexisted with Homo sapiens for a short period, that showed care of the sick and intentional burials long before Homo sapiens emerged. Key components of our intelligence, awareness and empathy, clearly evolved prior to Homo sapiens, who inherited this expanded potential. The ego of Homo sapiens evolved as a stabilising force between the great opposites of negative and positive experiences, typifying mankind's early psyche, reflecting an intense and ambivalent enmeshment in nature. The larger brain had to have a master coordinator to allow it to function effectively, to focus and plan in order to augment the chances of the survival of individuals and the species. Ego consciousness is the integration of multiple brain functions so that a version of reality, commas, both subjective and objective, can exist. Ego consciousness coordinates the greatly increased frontal cortex of Homo sapiens and its links to the rest of the brain. It creates time, space, causality, thus bringing our experience into conscious existence, making the outside world appear objective, giving us a sense of reality, which is a construct of consciousness. The ego separates the individual from the world. It distinguishes this and that above and below. Differentiation makes analysis and reason possible. The ego ends participation mystique, which is an identity or enmeshment without boundaries between mankind and nature, or child and mother. The ego is the subjective sense of identity that is the centre of personality. It implies the emergence of self-awareness in a creature, separated from the world, that can eventually examine its motives, explore its emotions, reflect upon its very thinking and express itself in various symbolic forms such as art and music, but especially language. It co-evolves with the awareness of death and love. As self-awareness develops in early humans, they became acutely aware of death, both of their own and those they were close to. 
Some of the first archaeological evidence we have of Homo sapiens are of burial practices with symbolic objects, which probably indicate the emergence of love, equal to the awareness of death. An attempt to overcome death with the immortal, to transcend division and separation with a symbolic union. The ego is also the tool for repression of parts of the psyche, such as strong emotions, so that thinking or focused concentration can take place. Mankind's ego consciousness operates seemingly by an act of will, permitting mental activity to take place without being invaded by other parts of the psyche, or even by the external environment. This repression, although weak at first, over time becomes a structurally inbuilt feature of Homo sapiens' mind and personality. The ego also becomes a system to protect the personality from anxiety and threat, employing an elaborate system of defences. Homo sapiens became the world's first repressed creature. The ego is not identical with consciousness, which is a vast range of abilities. The ego is the subject of consciousness, to use Carl Jung's acute observation. It is the subjective centre of a wide range of psychological functioning. The ego, however, is more than just another experiment in evolution, more than just a new mutation of genes, which happen to have survival advantages. It is also a vehicle of meaning in a world which possessed no conscious expression up to this time. Homo sapiens is the problematic embodiment of meaning and awareness in an animal. The ego, besides being the subject of consciousness, is also the focal centre of personality. Again, this is not unique to humans. Animals also have distinct characteristics and personalities. Personality originates in the psyche-soma complex, manifesting itself at first as bodily characteristics. For example, vitality, boldness, curiosity, determination, defiance, happiness, interaction, connection, etc. Or their opposites. Personality is then shaped by social interaction of which the most important is that with the mother and the family. Much of personality is therefore unconscious, but the ego becomes its centre, since personality is where the unconscious meets the world of social interaction, and the ego is the subjective centre of this also. In the latter stages of the rapid flowering of human consciousness, as Homo sapiens builds civilizations, the psyche undergoes a split between consciousness, centred upon the ego and personality, and the unconscious, which is that part of the psyche now repressed. As civilization develops, this repression increases. Layers of the collective unconscious underlie the platform upon which consciousness is erected through the development of civilization by the means of political, social and economic development. In contemporary Western capitalism, for example, the previous layers of patriarchal religions and then nature worship lie like archaeological strata underneath the topsoil of civilization.
Human nature, from a spiritual and moral perspective, contains both creative and destructive potential, the light and the dark components of the psyche, the origins of which also lie in mankind's animal nature. But in animals, these have no moral significance. The killing instinct of the wolf or the nurture of the animal mother for her young are part of nature and the requirements of survival. In humans, this is different, for these links to our animal nature are now intensified by ego consciousness, which is central to human identity. The aggressive components of animal inheritance become distorted and magnified by negative experiences in the formation of ego identity. For example, disturbances in the womb, in perinatal, that is around the birth experience, or postnatal experience. Moreover, mankind's destructive potential threatens the human species and is potentially the greatest threat to all life on Earth. Fourthly. Next, the unconscious. This is the greater part of the psyche outside of consciousness. When our human ancestors were immersed in nature, there was no unconscious, since self-awareness was hardly existent. Repression did not exist, since they were simply part of nature. With the emergence of Homo sapiens, the ego provided an automatic filter for consciousness, which became more selective and therefore repressive of impulses, instincts and emotions. This mechanism of selection and repression also evolved out of animals, some of which also possess a similar mechanism. For example, when some animals hunt, they can totally focus and ignore, that is repress, physiological needs like immediate hunger. The difference between animals and Homo sapiens is that the latter begins to do this more consciously as a result of the increasing importance of ego intelligence. In addition, as mankind entered into civilization, then the forces of repression increased as the requirements for order, self-control, hygiene, sexual restraint, limitation of aggression, respect for others and obedience to law or tribal rules increased. In order for large family groups and small tribes to become cohesive, the incest taboo became stronger and more vital to the survival of the group. These repressive requirements became internalised as patriarchal religions gathered forceful grip and prohibitions became sanctioned by divinity and punishment. Repression and therefore the unconscious grow as civilization advances. The unconscious is also partially created by defence mechanisms by which consciousness defends itself against that which is painful, unacceptable or anxiety-provoking, including components of our animal nature, such as sexuality and aggression. These repressed components do not disappear, however, but are liable to erupt into consciousness, be projected onto others or lived out without the subject being aware of their origin. This is the shadow of consciousness. The discovery of the unconscious, then, has reshaped our view of human nature. Three aspects of the unconscious are relevant to this. Firstly, the psychosomatic unconscious. The whole of the brain has a genetic and neurochemical base underpinning all aspects of consciousness and the unconscious. 
it is no longer possible to split the human neatly between body and mind. These are interconnected. For instance, the influence of dopamine and serotonin upon our consciousness and moods. Human consciousness is deeply and mysteriously connected with its material platform. Yet, intelligence precedes human consciousness. It coexists with the material base. The body, for instance, has a powerful healing intelligence that originates and operates outside of our consciousness. Secondly, the emotional, that is personal and conscious, with buried memories, complexes or even traumas, is derived from past experience and heavily influenced by early relationships. It is the first layer of the psyche contacted by consciousness as it engages in self-exploration, typically containing personal character traits, personal history, early attachment relationships, complexes and traumas. The personal and conscious is the root to the deeper psyche. And thirdly, the collective unconscious is a foundational layer of the psyche common to all humanity. It is the deepest part of our psyche, containing both higher and lower elements, instincts and archetypes, libido and healing intelligence. It has multiple centres of healing intelligence, as well as the central ordering archetype of the self. In the depths of the unconscious there is an archetypal realm, a numinous collective unconscious, beyond the personal psyche, with its complexes, traumas, neuroses and personal history. This is frequently denied and repressed by materialist civilizations. Being outside the ego, it is in participation mystique with the world and an enmeshment with nature. In summary then, in this episode I have outlined the first four components of our evolved human nature. These are animal inheritance, which is not just our aggressive and sexual impulses, but the inherited reservoir of evolved genetic intelligence. Secondly, emotional structure, as life evolved, instincts evolved into emotions, as the primate brain expanded, a far greater and more differentiated emotional structure developed. Thirdly, ego consciousness, which combines rational intelligence plus a distinct personality. It is a master coordinator to allow the brain to focus and plan in order to augment the chances of survival. It is the integration of multiple brain functions so that a version of reality can emerge. And as self-awareness develops in early humans, they became acutely aware of death. The ego is a tool for repression of parts of the psyche, Homo sapiens became the world's first repressed creature. The ego, however, is also a vehicle of meaning in a world which possessed no conscious expression up to this time. And fourthly, the unconscious. With the emergence of Homo sapiens, the ego provided an automatic filter for consciousness, which increasingly repressed impulses, instincts and emotions. Three dimensions are relevant. Firstly, the psychosomatic unconscious, secondly, the emotional or personal unconscious, and thirdly, the collective unconscious. In the next episode, I will continue this presentation of the essentials of human nature and focus on, firstly, the higher self, and then its most intriguing component, the inner architect of the whole system of the psyche. And finally, 
I will ask what, if any, is the purpose of human nature. I hope you can join me.